the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. And now, here's your host, Nick Phillips. Good evening, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another edition of The Advocate. Thank you for joining us on this Sunday evening. Uh, Tonight in the first uh, two segments, well, actually the first four segments for the entire hour, we're going to be talking about something that uh, we, we all have to learn a lot about if we're doing anything with computers. If you happen to have computer access to your bank accounts or stock uh, accounts, or if you're running a small business, uh, boy, tonight's going to be very important for you. With us tonight in the studio, uh, we have Kathy Lux, our co-host. Kathy, thank you for being here. And we also have our guest tonight, Trent Milliron. And Trent um, actually owns our one of our sponsors, uh, Cloud9 Computers. And uh, he has a book out called The Cyber Storm, and um, it's actually kind of a frightening book <laughs> as to how we're dealing with computers. And if uh, you're like me, we really en- enjoy the uh, convenience and the smooth nature that we can do computer work and handle our accounts and all this other stuff. But it is a dangerous, dangerous criminal world out there. So, uh, Trent, thank you for joining us tonight. Well, thank you for having me. appreciate being on the show. T- tell us about uh, cyber storm and cyber crime. Uh, is this something that is near us, or is, is this something that we only uh, read about uh, occasionally? I I think it's probably the most. Uh, how could I say this? It's probably the most um, likely crime that would affect you. Um, there's almost you know I mean whether that would be you know, I mean a normal theft of property or. Um, you know, some other crime that you may be involved, this would be the most likely one that would happen to you. Um, and it can come in a variety of different flavors and factors, I guess. But, um, you know, the, I mean, your information is the, is the key to tremendous wealth in essence in today's world. So, um, it's, it, it's, it's always under attack 24 seven. Well, well, the book, uh, The Cyberstorm, uh, you, you put together, and it has uh, contributors, other experts in the field of computer technology and the computer world. Yep. And uh, thank you for providing me with a copy oh. of it. I had a chance to read it. Great. Uh, and it, it was sort of a, a book you can't put down. Why is that? Because it scares the heck out of you. <laughs> uh, the idea of the fact that there are hackers out there that are looking for people like us, average people, uh, not only people who just have their own accounts on the Internet, but people who um, have small to medium-sized businesses are out there as targets. Sure. Uh, t- tell us how you put this book together. You have about 16 contributors to it. <clears throat> well, it's um, in, my, in my world, in the business world, I'm in, I'm in IT services. And so a lot of, you know, we'd be considered ourselves a small uh, medium business and a lot of us type of owners, you know, depending on the industry you're in, uh, whether you're in accounting or legal or anything, there's a lot of times there's peer groups that you would join with other business owners. And so, um, I'm in a, several of these peer groups in the IT industry and that's, that's how through those groups, through one in particular, you know, we came together, um, 
several, I guess you'd say several of our, several as, as business owners in the mm-hmm. space and decided to put together a book about, about this, this kind of real problem that really affects all of us. I mean, as an IT service provider, it is, you know, this, this affects, affects our clients tremendously. It's probably the number one worry of our clients nowadays. And so um, putting together some type of book to help explain it to them was, was important to us. Making money by being a cyber criminal <laughs> is nothing new. The, uh, in the book, it mentions the first, um, the first cyber crime occurring in the 1800s. That's that, right. t- tell us about that. How, yeah. how could that be? We didn't have computers. Yes, right. But there's still the telegraph network in, the, in those days. And that was, um, it's like it was somewhere in France in 1834 that uh, the first, I guess you'd say that was really one of the first cyber crimes where they hacked into the telegraph network, got information and we're able to use that to exploit uh, uh, the stock exchange and get, um, get and somehow make money from that. So that was really the first um, first crime. Well, since that time and we have computers and everybody has cell phones and everybody's dealing with email, they're doing how many uh, usernames do we have for how many applications and programs? How many passwords do we have? Yeah. And how is it that cyber criminals are able to get at us? What's going on? That's well. That how they're able to get us is it's us, right? We're we're the we're the we're, enemy. we're, we're the we're the, <laughs> always the anchor point for all these crimes and problems, and because we are, um, I mean, because we're we're just so easily tricked, I guess. And so, and we're very, in in some ways, we're trusting by nature. And um, if anything, when I think when I think about it, and that's probably why they target um, older people a lot of times, is that the trust is even higher in previous generations than it is today. It's like a so. You know, with that such implicit trust on a lot of strangers, it's it's just easy. Someone, you know, emails you and asks you for information. Well, some people just literally give it away. Now, um, it could go a little bit further than that, which is, you know, when they start tr- you know doing social engineering to trick you into giving it. But then also, if you look at some social media just in general, like on Facebook, how much of your personal information is out there just just by if you fill out all the bio on your Facebook profile, all of it, you know, give them your name and your where you're located and everything that that your information birthday. alone can be your birthday. I mean, you start putting together a pretty good profile of somebody just off the social media page, depending on how much they filled it out. Sure. But uh, besides that, you know, they can go, you know, they, they can go deeper than that. And that's where once they have some personal information, like even just your email address, then they could start emailing you, contacting you. Sometimes they'll call you. I mean, my parents have gotten numerous calls and my parents are older. And, um, I was literally there one night, had to stop and tell my dad to hang up on him because it was clearly a scam. It was like, you know, they were pretending to be my dad's bank, basically, and asking him, first couple lines out of their mouth was asking him for his social security number, mm-hmm. date of birth, all that stuff. And I'm like, no one's calling, no one from a bank is calling you at Sunday at nine o'clock at night. I just, he just happened to be at my house, you know, but he was mm-hmm, starting mm-hmm. to give it to him. I was like, no, no, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> and so, and I've even received phone calls yeah. that say they're going to save me money on my utility bills or my cable, what have you, if, you know, it, but, but they just need this certain information yes. and start asking for things that, you know, and I know, but a lot of people don't realize that they're very clever. And as you said, especially the elderly. Yes, especially. Yeah. My parents said, they don't even think about it before. In fact, I'm, it, that, after that call, I was so concerned I was like, there's no way, as I, I watched him do that, my father, I was like, there's no way he hasn't given this information away at some point before that point. I just happened to be there. So I immediately signed him up for a 
for a credit monitoring service because I just knew there had to be he had to have done this before. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's just that common. I mean, and um, I think a lot of the, my parents, my dad never even thought about it. He never thought of, until I brought it up and kind of was on him that night about it. He never thought that someone would do that and mm-hmm. try to get the information. So, And on Facebook, they're, they're clever little games. Have you have you mm-hmm. noticed the, the games? And they'll ask yes. you questions mm-hmm. like um, without giving the year um, – <laughs> You know, how would you describe the t- the 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 year you were born? Mm-hmm. So you know, um, uh, when I saw that, I thought, well, you know, I could come up with all kinds of clever, a- and they're they're just finding mm-hmm. clever ways to get the the year of your birth. Yeah. And you think it's a fun little game? Yes. Oh yeah. I mean, from I think every the lesson in today's world is your your personal information, and we laws really haven't caught up to this yet either, really. But uh, your personal information is, is you know, it's the most valuable, one of the most valuable assets you have and that you should guard it like it's one of the most valuable assets you have. Mm-hmm. And we, I don't think people used to do that. But that's, that would be the advice that I would give right off the bat is that, you know, I, for instance, I just bought a, I bought a car from my business the other day. And just as a good example, I gave it to my, uh, uh, the dealership wanted my social security number and stuff. And they had me write it down on a piece of paper. So I thought that was interesting. So he had to use it to, to create the to create all the documentation and stuff. But when he was done with that, I actually made him give it back to me so I could take it with me. I was not going to leave my social security number there with him. And so mm-hmm. that's the type of vigilance you have to have um, when you think about how you deal with your personal information. Like a lot, I think a lot of people just would have just let him keep the paper. But I said, no, could I have that back, please? I don't, I, you know, I know you used it to create this documentation, but I need it back. I'm, you know, don't get to keep it. Absolutely. And, uh, cause I don't know what, what could happen. You know, it could just go in the trash or someone could walk away with it, but it had everything, everything needed on to open mm-hmm. an account, you know, and from, from, uh, what, what I gather from the, uh, the whole story about cybercrime is, is that the major issue yeah. uh, that we're going to have is, uh, having all your money taken. So one day you have uh, a bank account with money in it. The next day it's all gone. And it's all done because of cybercrime, mm-hmm. which, which is not uh, the, the nicest thing because once it happens, you're sort of stuck with that reality. And uh, we're going to take a short break. We're talking to Trent Milliron uh, from Cloud9 and his book Cyberstorm, talking about cybercrime and what's going on. And Kathy Lux is here with us, and we're talking about all these horrible computer stuff. And we all need to be more vigilant and more aware. I'm learning here. And and we have Uh, another couple segments to listen to this and learn more. So we're going to take a short break. You're listening to Nick Phillips here at WHK. The Advocate will be back after these words. Don't go away. And now, back to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. We're talking about uh, cyber crime, cyber security, uh, and uh, you know how to safely live in the computer world. As we mentioned earlier, is that uh, with computers, boy, they're so helpful when you're uh, using them. You know how to use them, and they're all working properly. No glitches, no bumps. Uh, but uh, there's a lot of uh, people out there who's trying to interrupt that whole system. And with us tonight, we have Kent Milliron. Joining Kathy Lux and I talking about uh, what's the nature of the problem and what can we do about it. And uh, Trent, again, thank you for joining us tonight. Thanks. Thanks for having me. You know, as we're talking about cybercrime and we're talking about uh, 
the cyber criminals, people who are, are doing things to disrupt the Internet and to hack into things, we hear the big cases, the case where someone's taken over like 300 million identities and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Uh, is that who is always being targeted? Or what about the small guys, small to medium-sized businesses? Are, are they vulnerable and what's happening? Well, I think they're... Uh, I think that's it's definitely moved. It's moved actually to, kind of towards that in in many ways. Uh, it's too small and medium businesses, and that's because larger, you know, uh, we'll say Fortune 500 type of companies. They have had security practice. They have had security policies and uh, platforms, and and they've had that in place for decades now. Mm-hmm. They've they've had the resources to do that. Small and medium businesses have not, and they have never taken it. Well, really, they weren't even a target for a long time. But now that it's kind of like the cyber criminals realize, hey, small businesses don't have any cybersecurity policies or, or frameworks that they go by or any security, you know, minimal security tools, minimal uh, minimal gates, basically, to get in. So, um, so they're the target now. They're actually the easiest target in some ways. Well, if you're targeted and you get uh, hacked by somebody and they somehow disrupt your business, either by taking your money or, mm-hmm. or depriving you from all of your data or releasing confidential information, oh, sure. any of those things, yeah. uh, what, uh, what, what can be done about it? Well, I think when they – so if you do – so obviously the, the main – in the small, medium business, well, what, what they're – obviously the, the main thing they're after is, is money. So they're – look, this is this – is, a crime of money. They're mm-hmm. looking for money. So they have two ways to kind of do that now. Once they once they have successfully infiltrated your network, um, they kind of the 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 default the, the de facto method is to what they call ransomware your network, which is they encrypt all the data on your on all the machines or as many as they can do. And then uh, request a ransom from you or a payment to unencrypt it. Can can companies like your company uh, unencrypt this mm-hmm. stuff, or is that impossible? It's it's impossible usually. Uh, sometimes the, the the encryption keys uh, to unencrypt them are leaked sometimes, but that's that's not likely, at least not right away. So you're kind of stuck. So um, the only way out, reverse out of your, the only way out of that is hopefully you have really good backups. To be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't have really good backups, and even if you do have really good backups, but if you don't have really good backups, you're really just, you're done. Um, when you're getting a backup, the, mm-hmm. the, a, a really good backup, yeah. not just a backup, yes, but a really right. good one. Yes, really Does good. that backup everything, including all the programs uh, mm-hmm. on, your, That's on, right. on your whole computer world? Yeah, try not to get too technical, but you can kind of either backup just your data or you can backup the entire, You could, or you could backup the, op, we'll say the whole operating system, Plus your applications, plus your data. You know they call that more of a of an image based backup. So think of it like taking a picture of your computer exactly how it is and being able to restore mm-hmm. it instantaneously right back to the way it was. If you have those type of backups, um, it, you can be back up and running fairly quickly. But and but here's where it's getting kind of interesting: is that hackers, if you even if you have a good backup nowadays, then if they know that the next step is they'll say, well, we have copies of your data, and if you don't pay us the ransom, we'll just release it to the public. So so it's they've kind of gotten wise to this trick that a lot of people can restore from a backup pretty quickly, and, um, and they will, they'll threaten then to release all your, pub, all your data to the public. All your public. Yeah, but wait a minute. Are, are these people that honorable that <laughs> if you give them all this money and they say we won't release stuff to the public, we can trust them for that? I think you know it's funny. They're they're a little bit more honorable than than most people would think. 
and I forget the stat. I think it's maybe like four out of five uh, turn out well. You know, like they say they're going to they do what five? they say they're going to do. That's 20%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah don't. Right. <laughs> no. You definitely take a chance that they may not. Well, they, they need to have establish a reputation That's that they're right. going to make good on it, yes. on what they say. Otherwise, no one will ever yes. pay their that's right. They're asking price, right? Yeah. Well, what do you do? Go to a directory to check on who are the credible cyber criminals <laughs> out there? How, how do you know up front when, uh, when it's Sunday night uh, at about 10 o'clock at night and uh, you try to log on to your computer from home and you just get a big blue, the dreaded blue screen saying you've been hacked? Well, I think, um, you know, I, I, I think that uh, from an organizational standpoint, there's companies that do what they call incident response. We're actually one of those companies. We would... If you were to get hit by ransomware as a company, you could come to Cloud9. Mm-hmm. We will help you get out of this mess. Now, there are some, um, there are some uh, we'll say, hacking groups that are notoriously well-known to, to um, if you're hit with one of them, that, you know, they're well-known to honor what they say they're going to honor. But you can negotiate with them, too. That's the other piece of this, right? So we'll say the ransom's 200000 You can probably get that down at least, you know, 50%. You know, by the time you start negotiating, oh, to only a hundred thousand. What a savings! <laughs> so, you know, I mean, there's still a, a royal pain. I yes. think. Oh, royal pain for sure. And 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 so here's my question: Do you always know immediately that you've been hacked? Is it possible to be hacked and not no. oh. even know? Well, that's a okay. So that's a whole that that's where the whole industry's kind of moved. So the 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 larger that we'll say the larger the company, the more likely. Uh, hackers are to what they call maintain a presence on your network, a persistence. Um, they'll sometimes they'll stay there for months. So they'll, they'll get they'll get access to a machine somehow. Maybe an employee let them onto a machine. They've installed a piece of software that allows them to maintain a presence on that machine for many times months, sometimes even longer than that. In that time during the off hours, when you're when that employee's out of the office, they're scouring the network, figuring out exactly where the good data is at. Figuring, you know, finding out, you know, uh, recon, you know, doing recon on the types of security implemented, and that type of stuff. So they'll spend a tremendous amount of time, and then they'll hit. So that way, they can work to work around your security measures, and then they'll hit you with the ransomware. So um, that's a typical. Uh, so, so the larger the company, the more time they're willing to spend. The bigger the payout. The larger the, the larger the entity, the bigger the payout. The more time they're willing to spend it, sit around on your network. Um, Do you actually get to talk to these people, or is it all by email or yeah, texting? email or chat systems for sure? That's huh? it. You never, you never really talk. Now, to is law enforcement able to work back upstream and, and cut through all of this and figure out who's really doing this? Yeah, especially I think as the, the what depends. I mean, the smaller. I have to say, it's so common today. The smaller ones get ignored. I mean, you're not going to get a whole lot of what. What's small? Um, <laughs> might be big to me. Yeah, no, small curious. would be you know your typical. Yeah, small would be, I'd say, anything that's probably below a million dollar ransom is probably fairly being ignored by. Oh, that's by the good. Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> I thought it'd have to be something over a million. Yeah, a million yeah. bucks we can handle. You know, so <laughs> so it's like uh, you know they just don't have the that resources. That would be disastrous. To, you know, because you you think there's a there's about a half a billion dollars. Well, I think was paid last year in ransom, yeah. just ransom payments, nothing else. So. Um, so it's happening often, right? And so anything less than it's just too much for the authorities to really care about if you're not really big. But if you are really big, let's say it's a really big company and a really big payout, mm-hmm. they are they're starting to get really good at, at tracking it back. And not only that, but they're also getting good at 
tracking the payments through crypto, which is I nobody I don't think there's really um, how that's done. I'm not a I'm not like a crypto expert, so I'm not exactly sure how they're mm-hmm. able to mm-hmm. track those back, but they're they're doing that now pretty well. And um, did, did you have ever in your experience without names or anything that ever have to represent somebody and help them get out of their ransomware situation? Mm-hmm. Sure. Like I said, we do this. We do what's called incident response for for clients, uh, or for potential clients, we'll call them, because they come to us, and usually something's happened, and so we'll help them get out of that situation. Part of that is the negotiation of of the ransom. Sometimes, if they're if they're coming to you uh, for what we call an incident response on on cybersecurity, that means that they probably didn't have good backups, and they're probably up a creek, right? So they're they're. So you, you, it's almost like you have to negotiate something because they're not going to get their data back. But well, when they talk to you, their voice is several octaves oh, higher. Yeah. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so, their whole world has been frozen, I think. And so so this is not just uh, corporations, though. I mean, we're hearing it here and there on the news mm-hmm. um, with government entities and utility companies and, right. and um, creating chaos with utilities, I mean that—that's a major thing. Um, you you do work somewhat with government entities. Mm-hmm, I do, and so government contractors, yeah. And so, um, in those instances, is 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 there a ransom, or is what what do you do to protect? Um, well, the. Uh I, I have I have not had um, I could say this I have not had a government client get hit yet. Okay. Um, that's even come to us even an instant response and the ones that we have as as our actual clients mm-hmm. as we go through the implementation of these these different security frameworks is they're defense contractors so they're required now to start down this path it's called a CMMC um, and it, they're so it's so intense that I have to say it's a good. A good path they've gone down. We're, we're going to come back with yeah. uh, with Trent and, and Kathy, and we'll be talking more about this in a few moments. We're going to take a short break. Now you're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate. Don't go away. We'll be right back after these words. And now, back to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. And uh, tonight, if you have any questions concerning cybercrime or computer systems and how to protect them, you can uh, email your question here to us here at The Advocate Radio, theadvocateradio at gmail.com. And we'll, we'll get your question. We'll ask Trent about it and talk a little bit about it. One of the things Trent mentioned earlier was that you can have cyber crime insurance. Uh, what is that, and what does it, and what does it not do? Okay. The, well, in, in a couple of minutes. Yeah, well, maybe, this would mainly <laughs> not, not be... Not a lecture yeah, for three no, hours or anything. No, no, no. What, um, I think, well, main, you know, mainly cyber insurance would, would apply to, to small and medium businesses. It's becoming definitely more of a... Uh, more of a necessity. I would say it is a necessity. Actually, I read this um, statistic. It said you're more likely to make a claim on your cyber insurance policy than you are your general business liability policy. So, and when you think about it that way, that would mean that if since most businesses have a general liability policy, mm-hmm. you should probably have a cybersecurity uh, insurance policy because you're more likely to actually need it. Um, and 
what's what's kind of interesting about that is that's um, I would suggest that every small business you know does get a policy, but but the interesting thing that's happened over the last few years, and we've noticed it, is the insurance industry is actually driving better cybersecurity. Um, and what the, what I mean by that is that when a small business goes to apply for insurance, they're gonna they send you this really crazy questionnaire that's uh you know that's maybe like three pages with you know my for instance I mean my cybersecurity uh, policy for for my company Cloud Nine it was over three hundred questions I couldn't even believe it three hundred um, on how we're handling different segments of our of our um, networks now granted we are an IT company we're at the mo- we're at the highest point because we have access to so many companies networks that mm-hmm. we are a prime prime target for hackers. So um, so they want to know exactly how we're doing it. Now, that same questionnaire is not quite – it's a little bit – it's a little bit dumbed down, I guess you'd say, for general for most small businesses. But you're not going to have 300 questions. You might have 100 or 50 or something. But they're going to be – they're going to be – Pro- Probing the, questions. Yeah, the very pertinent questions because they want to know what, what is their risk really, you know. Right. It's risk, it's risk yep. management. Yeah, because I've heard they didn't make any money over the last – over the, you know, the, the first – We'll say the first, you know, this has really been, we'll say the last five years, I've heard they haven't made any money, the insurance companies, on cyber insurance policies because that's how much they've had to pay out. And so they've they've gotten wise to this. They've started really, they used to just be able to sign up for it, be a little waiver on your general liability insurance, not anymore. It's all these questions because they need to limit their risk. Well, it's dollar driven. Uh, are the premiums sky high for this kind of coverage or is it something that uh, actually can fit into the budget of a small to medium sized business? Uh, it's a, it is a, I mean it's affordable I can tell you because we're probably I mean we're probably at the highest tier of mm-hmm. you know how much you pay so I I think it's affordable for what it, for what I know what's at what what could happen I think it's very affordable that's being said I'm well, sure it's a risk analysis yeah for me it's it's a no brainer um, I will say it has for us just having it the last five years it has literally doubled every five every year every year it's literally doubled. Well, so, what, well, what all does it, does it cover, though? For example, one, if you uh, have a release of confidential information and your customers, whoever mm-hmm. your customers are, may yep. want compensation. Yes. Or you're shut down, you cannot operate, so you yep. lose income. Yep. Uh, or you're, you have to replace all your programs. Does this uh, cyber attack insurance uh, cover all of these things? Or? Yes, all of those things. It also would pay for, yeah, pay for legal defense, um, especially, you know, if, you know, uh, personally identifiable information is leaked. You'll definitely have clients mm-hmm. trying, you know, wanting to probably sue you. This will cover those defense costs. You'll also have, you know, you have lost revenue from downtime. If you were, ran- you know, it's not just the ransom that it, ha- it will help you pay the ransom, but it's not just the ransom that will help you pay. It also covers the tremendous downtime you'll have. I always say the worst part about getting ransomware as a business mm-hmm. is not even the ransom payment. Forget that. That's the small potatoes. It's the fact that you could be down for weeks or months. And that, just imagine if you can't run your business for weeks and months. That's just devastating. Oh, That's I, I know. Worse. Well, customers who would come after your company, say, or some company, don't they have to show you've been negligent or something? Or uh, So if you have a really intelligent, tricky hacker mm-hmm. who gets in in a way that you couldn't, that opposed to an employee who's surfing the web and is downloading all kinds of stuff with um, malware in it or something, uh, th- does it matter how you ended up getting the ransomware into your computer? No, not particularly. If you get it, you got it. It's like getting COVID. Yeah, kind of, yes. You got it. doesn't matter where you got it. And so is that part of what your company, your business does um, when you're going into these businesses? 
are you giving them some training in terms of you you know employee training of you should not be doing this you should not be doing well, yes. well, could you speak to that a little? Sure. Bit? In fact, we um, we provide a cybersecurity training platform, literally with with all for all of our clients. It's, that's universal across all of our clients. So, if you're a client of Cloud Nines, you're getting a, a cybersecurity training platform, which means it's a video based platform. You log in, um, it has a lot of different training videos, and they keep that up to date fairly regularly. Uh, and it keeps track of who who in your company has taken it, like what employees have taken it, and, mm-hmm. and if they pass, there's a little quiz at the end of each of these segments. And then every month there's little mini quizzes. So every year there's a big test that you have to take, every employee does, and then every month there's little mini tests as well. And those are really nice. It's a really nice training platform for that. So, in fact, I will say um, if anybody even just wants to have that for their company, they can contact my company. I'll just give it to you. So, oh, very why don't you tell us, what's the phone number yeah. for Cloud9? Yeah, t- 216-393-2484. So if anyone can't sleep tonight, call and leave a message. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, man. <laughs> if, this, if this really gets to you. Yeah. Uh, as we're, we're talking about government involvement, I mean, it sounds like the Wild West out there with all these hackers and all these ge- geniuses. Are these people all really that smart? They seem to be smart beyond imagination and uh, knowledge uh, i think uh, it's persistence more than i think i mean don't get me wrong there's br- brilliant hackers out there. there's brilliant ones but it's also persistence and hard work and just like i say just like anything like these guys are you know the payouts are big i mean imagine if you're in uh you know somewhere in south africa or something and you know a lot of these groups are they're all over the world they're not in the united states and your standard of living is is hardly anything i mean these you know a couple hundred grand is like you know it's millions of dollars here you know it's like yeah so the payouts are are humongous for for the amount of work but they're still so they they so so they're persistent are they still getting in with getting into your systems uh your customer systems with uh emails being uh accepted and attachments being opened and that kind of is that still out there Oh yeah, for sure. That's probably was still the number one. It probably still is the number one way that a hacker enters your network is through a phishing email scam of some kind, where it looks like you know. Um, they, I mean, to give you the the best example, they'll send you emails that will look like uh, your UPS or your FedEx or your Dropbox or your mm-hmm. you know they they look exactly like it. You'll click on it. You'll put your credentials in there thinking it's a real, and then it just won't do anything. And you're thinking for a split second, you're like, oh, there must be something wrong with the site or something. But no, what they did is they captured your credentials. Literally, usually within a minute, some minute, couple minutes, someone, get they get alerted to that. They literally are in your account that that minute as soon as mm-hmm, they can get mm-hmm. in. And then, and then they can also, a lot of people, most people use the same credentials across multiple sites and multiple platforms, right? So once they have one set of credentials, they'll go and try that across all the most popular sites and most popular places they could go. And um, they'll usually get a lot of access through that. And so how is, my question to you, how is our government proactively addressing this issue? What what do they do or don't do? Where are we? I think on the, on the larger scale ones, for instance, one in my industry, there was this Kaseya incident because uh, – Kaseya is a large, you know, IT services vendor, and they have they provide us IT companies access to small business networks, right? And there was the a Kaseya incident um, in which basically the software itself, that vendor got got hacked in essence, and it 
they pushed malware through that platform to our to us IT providers clients. Mm-hmm. So um, it was such a big it was a it was a huge hack. It was you know. 60, 70 companies were, or 60, 70 MSPs were affected. Thousands of smaller businesses underneath them were affected. This was, but where I'm going with this is it was large enough that um, the government took took a lot of interest in it and actually was was able to shut the hacking group down, their sites down, what got the encryption keys. I don't, you know, they they went, they, it was like a, a counter assault, which was kind of interesting. You know, our government just took them down quick and that surprised me. So there was some action there, but that's not common. That's interesting. We're going to take a short break. We're talking about cybercrime and how it can affect us personally, either personally uh, in our business, personally in our home life, or if you're an employee in a business that you're using a computer. Uh, this, boy, this is right uh, on target for what we're talking about and what we should be worrying about tonight. We're here with uh, Trent Milliron from uh, Cloud9 and his book Cyberstorm and with Kathy Lux. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back after these words to talk about cybercrime and what can you do about it. What happens when you get that that notice that you're encrypted and can't touch anything? How do you get out of it? So don't go away. We'll be right back after these words. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate. We'll be right back. And now, back to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with our final segment of The Advocate for tonight. Thank you again so much for joining us this evening and listening to our discussion concerning cybercrime. And uh, I noticed that I mentioned at the beginning of the show that we're also comfortable with our uh, computer usage, that we just have our passwords down and our uh, usernames down. We get in and start exchanging and doing business and so on. Uh, with regard to domestically, what, what what is going on? Is there anybody really watching this closely? Like someone that you mentioned, Homeland Security is. Mm-hmm. If if we run into something like this, who do we report it to? Other than you or a company like? Yeah, you? I mean, the F, you know, the FBI would be the first. Usually, is the first point of contact, and then and and Homeland Security. Those two are the the we'll say the domestic, um, domestic entities that, that take take these types of calls and measures. Um, you know, but that uh, that said, I often get asked, you know, what who's what about our or you know, people often think about what about our electric grid and our gas uh, networks and and our infrastructure, you know, roads and bridges, and, you know, all this all the stuff that's all, you know, that we all live and die by, I guess. And you know, the answer is that is that it is a little bit. It's it's definitely exposed, um, and. You know that falls typically under the under the Department of Homeland Security. That their that's their mandate is to defend um, domestic, you know, internal problems, and they're not really well equipped to do that. So I think you know there's been some talk, you know, about bringing. So the NSA, which is externally focused, the National Security Agency, has one of the best cyber defense teams in the world, and they've been. Um, but they have an external mandate. They're, they're focused on, on foreign entities. And so, um, and, and so yeah. Trent, when you say an external mandate, yeah. in other words, their mandate is to focus on international issues, yeah. not within our own country. Correct. I mean, they, they can, there's some crossover there because it's, you know, foreign adversaries that obviously attacking, attacking Americans. But, um, you know, when you're really talking about, hey, how, who's, 
who's really, you know, getting on utilities to, um, you know, who's securing the utilities? Who's doing that? Well, there's not. It's, that's Homeland Security's job, and they're just not really doing it. So there's just they don't have the. It's not. This is, I don't think it's not that they don't want to. They just don't have the resources, and they don't have the. They don't have the skill sets. That's all tied up in the NSA. So there's been some talk about about you know maybe some collaboration between the two departments and bringing the NSA cyber defense team more with with an internal focus on domestic issues. So, so we need our political leaders <laughs> to be focusing on this. Sure. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, in general, in general, this is still from from a. It's not taken. You know, we're all. I mean, the American companies are getting hit nonstop. So it is not oh. being taken seriously by our government. I mean, there, there's not a lot of, there's just not a lot of action on this topic. Mm-hmm. It just isn't. Or else, you know, I, and, you know, we, we're not going after. We're, there's no counter, strike type of task force. I mean, you know, you would like to think that, that these hacker groups would maybe be a little afraid of America, right? That if they hit company American companies, that we would hit them back, mm-hmm. and. They would slow this or stop this down. And we have the capabilities to do it. There's no doubt about it. But we don't. And there's just – I don't know if it's a lack of resources or a lack of will maybe. or But but American companies and American people are suffering in some ways through some of this. Be- before we run out of time, I want to make sure people know that the name of the book is called Cyberstorm. And uh, it, it's a guide with <clears throat> a whole bunch of information as to how these things develop, where you can report them what agencies are out there, what kind of uh, threats are we facing? And I, I noticed on the cover it says Amazon number one bestseller. Mm-hmm. That, congratulations. Are, are you going to leave the business and become an author <laughs> here? No. There's a, um, no, but I'm glad it reached that spot. So there's number one for the technology. Uh, there's different segments within Amazon. That was mm-hmm. number one for the technology segment. So well, don't downplay good. it because that's a big thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But uh, the the book, it's sort of like a mini Bible. So if uh, you're in a position at your place of employment, you're responsible for a, a lot of money and a lot of important things and uh, making sure that your computer system stays safe and secure, um, yeah, you better get the book Cyberstorm and read it. <laughs> I do think it's like it is a – this is a necessary discussion that every C-level executive at any company should be should be having. You know, wh- how are we defending our company what are the, you know, what what's our strategy, and you know whether you're whether you're working now. And I will say, there's a lot of internal IT departments. Um, you may not have an in, any internal IT department. In, in which case, I would say go find a company like Cloud Nine or Cloud Nine to help you through that. It, even but even internal IT departments, they're not usually, you know, they're not usually security focused. You know, they they had you know their their I. Their IT training has been around infrastructure and keeping things up and running versus yes, yes versus defending. And so, mm-hmm. you know, um, reaching out to your IT providers to help you defend the network, that's that's something that's worth exploring. Um, so but it, it, this is any more. And, and I will say, too, that these are two different types of budgets and two different processes you know there, there's a, there's the it budget that's for your infrastructure support and management of the systems and things like that and then there's now literally it's its own budget that's how serious this is you know that's how serious cybersecurity is it's, it's its own layer on top of your general it services or general it no uh, i'm leafing through the book here and i happen mm-hmm. to use my uh, old yellow marker here on some of these things just to bring some things to mind 
Um, when we talk about insurance, we uh, mm-hmm. we talk about the one to three hundred question questionnaire you have to fill out. Yeah. If insurance companies are doing what insurance company typically do, mm-hmm. that is, uh, if you file a claim, let's say you have to file a claim for like a million dollars in ransomware. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. First off, we're looking at them paying that ransomware. Is that mm-hmm. right? That's right. And uh, when they decide whether there's coverage or not, or whether they're going to say mm-hmm. you, uh, you you said something wrong in those 300 questions, that, that's where you have to go and uh, answer those questions to the best of your ability and, and not be negligent yourself. So if you promise to do that stuff, you actually have to do it, right? Oh, my gosh, yes. Now you're hitting really on a topic that's worth the last few minutes here because this has been very relevant lately. There's actually a case going on, and I can't remember what state it is right now, where literally the insurance company is claiming, well, this this company filled out the form, and they filled out that they had multifactored all logins, but they didn't, mm-hmm. you know. And the insurance company is claiming they're not going to – they do not want to pay this ransom, this policy out because they're saying, well, the, the, the client said they were they multifactored everything, but they didn't. And so we would have their, – their claim is we would have never sold them the policy had we – know that you know they didn't do that so um this is becoming more common and this is the insurance company's way to not pay which is you know what insurance companies do so so it's to be very truthful in that questionnaire so so if you're going to get the cyber insurance you can coordinate that with your it person right oh for sure and that's yeah i would say you shouldn't fill those things out without your it person i don't see how you could possibly know what half the answers are there's no your average person you could not you cannot fill that form out accurately. I have about one minute. And then you also need to update your employee manuals and make certain that all of those things that you're required to do to meet the insurance company's risk management are part of your employee manual so all the employees are also following oh, suit. My, that's right. It, this is large <laughs> tentacles here. If, if an employee thinks they're going to get millions of dollars from a Nigerian uncle, forget <laughs> it. Re- report that. Exactly. Stop it. Don't go online. Don't infect your computer. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd like to uh, thank Trent Middle-Iron and, uh, for his, talking about his book, Cyberstorm. You could purchase it from Amazon. So go ahead and, and get that if you need it. So, uh, Trent, thank you for joining us tonight. Information oh. that we all need to know. Thank you for Very having me. Very interesting. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And, and also, Kathy, thanks for being here. My so, pleasure, Nick. As always. So, Well, everyone, have a good week. We'll be back next week, same time, same station. So between now and then, have a great week. Healthy and safe week. Good night, everybody. Good night. Pages of some ancient magazine. Sleeping parrot, dreaming parrot dreams. And I sat and watched the Zanzibar sunset. Sat and drank my fresh mint tea. With nothing to do until morning. And only my mind for company. The Advocate is sponsored by Nick Phillips and is responsible for its content. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.